Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. I'm sure for you diehard listeners, it seems like an eternity since the last episode, which was just last Monday. I mean, not that long ago, but I understand the pain because this is the first time in a long time now that I've set this new schedule that I have not released more than one episode in a given week. I mean, months and months and months. Even before I went to a two a week schedule, I was still putting out more than one a week, sometimes as many is three. I'm not going to lie. It feels like an eternity since I have recorded an episode. That said, in total transparency, it's been a little nice this last several days where I haven't had to do anything podcast related or rather I haven't had a looming deadline regardless of what the deadline is for, podcast or anything else. I actually had a couple nights where all I did was sit down and watch some TV or some movies. I chillaxed. That's very rare for me. I'm not good at relaxing, but I think it's also good. I need to recharge those batteries from a creative perspective if I'm constantly go, 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 deadline, deadline, deadline. And that's kind of what was one of the catalysts for me changing to a weekly Monday release schedule was I just want to make sure that I'm giving you guys the best product I can potentially give you. Now, I haven't only sat on my ass and watched the boob tube. I have been productive, which is one of the reasons I told you guys I wanted to switch to a once a week schedule was so I could focus on some other things. I've actually been working on a lot of piano songs for live gigs because I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but moving forward, I'm kind of hoping to get myself to where I have enough songs and music for my live performances only on piano, which usually it's about three hours, maybe three and a half, depending on the location. But I don't want to have to take my guitar. Maybe I can take my guitar if I want to, depending on the crowd, depending on the venue, but you can hear local guitarists and acoustic musicians pretty much all over town any night of the week, a pianist slash vocalist. That's something a little different. I mean, it's not totally fucking unheard of, but it's different. Additionally, when I break into my piano sets at my live shows, where I currently do both guitar and piano on and off, when I break into those piano sets, I get a much bigger response. So it's like, well, why not just do a lot of piano stuff? And I'm really digging piano. I mean, I'm not a pianist. I guess I am at this point. But it's fun for me to learn a bunch of new stuff on piano. It's going to make me a better pianist. But I've been doing guitar for so long, 30 years And some of the songs that I play at my live shows today, I was playing only a few years into my guitar playing. So they've gotten a little old, a little crusty, a little boring for Jeff. So, in addition to working on some piano songs, I also spent a couple hours, that's right, a couple hours doing show prep for this episode. I believe my show prep is nine pages long. Now, I use a bigger font because the room, my studio room, it's not crazily lit. I have a light, it's a single light in the ceiling, like a globe light, but I don't put super strong bulbs in it because this is my creative space. I like it a little warmer. Not like you're standing on the surface of the sun or three inches away from a fluorescent tube bulb. You know what I'm talking about. But it's also been nice over the last several days to when I'm out and about driving, when I'm just doing stuff around the house, I can think about the podcast. Just think about it and formulate different things that I want to talk about related to the topic that maybe I wouldn't have thought about before when I was on a much more crunched schedule. I have had several episodes in the past that had five plus pages of prep.
prep. I've had many episodes in the past that had zero pages of prep, just a couple bullet points in my notes app in my phone, and that's it. I didn't translate it to a Word document and printed paper. I didn't kill any trees to make the episode like I am doing today. But again, it does make me feel better prepared, more well thought out, and hopefully providing a superior product to you, the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast listener. A thank ya. So before I dive into my topic of weird dreams, I do want to provide an update to everyone. I also kind of let you know, gave you a heads up moving forward because it's just once a week. The episodes will likely be longer and it will kind of incorporate what was two episodes before, but into just one single episode. So the first update, winter is finally here in Columbus, Ohio. It arrived pretty much on January 1st. On Christmas Day, we had temperatures in the 60s and rain, and boy, has it quickly shifted to cold, cold, cold cold-ass temperatures. Not really much in the way of snow, thank goodness. Not that I mind the snow, but it just, you know, creates inconvenience. But I've had to start doing the thing where it's like I need a winter coat. I need more than a jacket. But fat tubular Jeff that still hasn't lost enough weight from the COVID poundage that he put on. I don't know why I continue to speak about myself in third person. But a lot of these coats, it is very much fat guy in a little coat. And I have to be selective. I have to pick and choose which coats I can fit into right now. That sucks because I need them. It's colder than a dead witch's titty and a brass brassiere. Luckily though, I do continue to have a working furnace. I would like to let everyone know that it has now been a week and a half, well, 10 days since any staircase tried to kill me. The bruise on my right ass cheek has actually gotten larger as it changes color. So now you still have the purple stripe that was there previously that's fading to kind of a watered down grape Kool-Aid. And then all around it is this aura of green and yellow. Almost the entire butt cheek is some kind of watercolor going on there. Perhaps I should take a picture of my ass and sell it as an NFT. Nobody wants to buy that, Jeff. Speaking of whoring myself out, I continue to try and create content for social media. I know I've said I need to do better. I just hate it so much. Social But I have kind of found a formula on TikTok that works for me. And it all started kind of by accident during a college football game, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago, a month and a half ago. I don't remember. Couldn't have been that long ago because it was a conference championship game. So I'm going to guess like maybe first week of December. But something happened on the screen that I thought was funny. So I backed it up, filmed the screen with my phone, added a caption on the image of the TikTok, not down in the comment or anything, like literally you see it really big and prominently above and below the horizontal strip of screenplay that you see in the middle. And it got a crazy response. Crazy! In fact, it is still my most viewed video. Right now, I'm looking at my phone. It is at 56.9 thousand views. And it was just silly, me capturing my TV, putting a little caption around it, and uploading it. 
I have several videos that I've like spent time to create what I think is a funny comedic video. And those on average have, let's see here, 62 views on the one that I spent the absolute most time on. And at one point am completely shirtless for a couple moments in the video. So there goes all of my shame. I have another one that, let's see, it's 186 views, uh, 173 views. So clearly that 56.9 thousand views for that video, that's a significant jump. Another one that I made using the TV, it was just a, I think like a Viagra commercial or something along those lines and it was just really funny. So I did the same thing, shot the screen in the middle, captioned it around on both sides. That has almost 1300 views. I've got a few more ones that I did the exact same way. Let's see, 405, 423, 2145. So decent, not great, but at the same time compared to the videos that I spent time on making of myself, a dramatic jump in viewership. And then the other night when the college football national championship game was on, I saw something funny. I captured the screen. I made a caption. That was just two days ago at the time that I'm recording this. Already 53.6 thousand views and climbing. More so than that, I've had 163 comments. And this is why I fucking hate social media. Most of these comments are one of the other. It's somebody who is not not a Georgia fan and is like, yeah, what a piece of shit. Because I kind of poked fun at the Georgia quarterback in his little post-game interview. And then, of course, the opposite side of the comments are the haters. They call me a hater because I posted a joke, but they're just so butthurt. That's what's wrong with our fucking society. This is why cancel culture exists. God forbid. I can't imagine what these professional broadcasters and radio personalities and people have to go through and how terrified they are to say anything because I literally posted a very clean PG, not even PG, G-related joke, not actually saying anything bad about Georgia, about the quarterback Stetson Bennett, and these people are calling me names, some of them, not most, but, I mean, it, it rolls off me, no problem. I don't give a shit. I hate social media, so this just further reinforces all of the problems I have with social media. I mean, it got to a point where I actually posted a comment in the comment thread from myself that says, hey, I'm a comedian. All of you getting butthurt instantly over a harmless joke, get over it. Try laughing from time to time. I'm just trying to point out to people, hey, it's a fucking joke. Other than that, I've not replied to any of the other comments. For the most part, I only get on TikTok like once a day just to see what the count is. I really don't give a shit. But I saw one earlier today that, oh, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I had to reply or comment back to this dude's comment. And just for a little bit of context, the whole joke of this video was when they interviewed the quarterback, he kept saying, I, I had to do this. I wasn't going to be the reason the team lost. I think I'm the best quarterback. It was a lot of I, 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 and normally in these post-game interviews, especially with like championship games, whether it be in the pros or college, you've got people giving praise to God, talking about, no, it's all about the team. It's all about the team. It's all about the team. This dude, at one point in the interview, started to say we and corrected himself into another I situation. So the, the caption on my post of this video was, there's no I in team unless you're Stetson Bennett. That's all I said. It was a joke. 
oh, and now here I am, I'm trying to find the comment. I was going to read this dude's comment, and then my reply to him, I wonder if he deleted the comment, because all of a sudden it's not showing up where it was. So perhaps I shamed him into realizing, yeah, I'm, I'm being an asshole. Let me give you the gist of what his comment said. Started out with, all caps, WTF, exclamation, question, exclamation, question. And I also believe that this guy's username, he looked like an older, white-haired, middle-aged gentleman. Maybe mid to late 50s, early 60s. I didn't zoom in on his picture, so this is a random fucking guess. But I'm pretty sure that his username was Get Ammo, like ammunition. Get Ammo. So I'm already thinking, maybe I shouldn't reply to this guy. That's dangerous, Jeff. But he said something like, WTF, this kid's a national championship it's a team game you dumbass go dogs there was more to it than that but he did call me a dumbass he was ranting and pissed off over this harmless comical little video and again i didn't call out the integrity of stetson bennett i just pointed out i thought it was awkward it was an unusual moment i don't remember exactly what i replied to him but it was something along these lines Maybe you should quit social media if a harmless joke causes you angry outbursts and name-calling. Way to contribute to cancel culture. And then a thumbs-up emoji. I'm assuming this guy is a southerner if he roots for Georgia, and his username is Get Ammo. I will make no other assumptions about him because that's part of what's fucked up with this world. People don't get to know the facts before they form opinions that they then consider to be facts. But my guess is if he is a Southerner, he probably does not like the idea of cancel culture because it takes away free speech and freedoms like guns and ammo. I also believe in free speech. I also fucking hate cancel culture. And perhaps by me pointing out that him having a little tizzy and a little fit over a stupid harmless joke and letting him know that he's part of cancel culture. Oh, I feel so justified right now to go look and realize he deleted his comment. He didn't even come back at me. I think I really made a message tonight. I sunk something into this dude's head. That might be one less fucking asshole on social media the next time someone posts a stupid fucking joke. Yay! But all that to say, I do think that I'm kind of figuring out my approach to TikTok, one that works. Not all the videos that I do in that style have the same viewership, but I've only done, I want to say, five or six of them. And of just two of those combined, I'm well over 110,000 views. That ain't too shabby. I'm pretty sure the post that I made last week to advertise the Monday episode that I dropped, the post I made on Facebook, I want to say that got two likes, no comments. I also posted the same thing on Twitter. It got zero likes, zero comments, zero retweets. So if I'm getting close to 60K on two different videos with a lot of comments and a lot of likes, I mean, 163 comments or whatever it is for this last video on TikTok, that's a lot. That might be more comments on that video than I have friends or followers on Facebook. Certainly more than I have on Twitter, since I want to say that number's like 11. You really know how to work the Google machine. All right, so I think that's enough of an update. We can get into the topic that you've all been waiting for. Yay! I have some crazy, crazy dreams. 
And I have a very good memory of many of my dreams for years. Ever since I was a kid, there are dreams that I can still see in my head the same as I would see any other memory. Maybe better. And I'm going to share some of those dreams with you guys just so you know how fucking crazy Jeff is. There you go again talking about yourself in third person. But you know me. Before I get into my dreams... I'm going to discuss dreaming itself a little bit from a scientific perspective. Not that there's a ton of science on dreams because it's all speculation. It's crazy that in this day and age with the advancements we have made from medical and psychological perspectives that dreams are still just speculative research. It's kind of like ghosts. Dreams and ghosts are the same way, except for the fact that pretty much everyone believes in dreams because they've experienced it. But the fact is, is there's no explanation or anything more than speculation. All that to say that I can't really give you a ton of stats or data related to dreams because there isn't any. Of course, there have been studies and research done to try and find more than just speculative analysis. Boy, it's hard to say the word speculative so many times. I've tripped over my tongue many times in the last three minutes of recording that I've immediately reset the word so that I can cut that piece of shit out. But just know, speculative is not the best word to continue repeating. So hopefully I get away from this segment sooner than later. For the sake of my tongue. But I'm going to talk to you about, you know, at least the psychology, the research that exists on dreams, what we know, what we think we know. I could have said speculate on, but I went with think you know. But now, because I told you what I could have said, I ended up saying it anyway. So I didn't go, like, researching across multiple news sources. I found one source that seemed to have all the information I needed and seemed reliable. Why? Because it's called Medical News Today. Day.com because we know everything on the internet is truth and fact and science. But I liked this website because this page, it wasn't like an article. It covered all facets of dreams, research, psychology, the different phases of sleep. I'm not going to go into all that bullshit. However, there were some noteworthy things for me that I wanted to discuss. And again, want to give credit to my source, medicalnewstoday.com. One thing I found very interesting was that more recent research and new methodologies to test dreaming have caused, oh, here we go, it's that word again, speculation that dreams may be, one of those bullet points was a cognitive simulation of real-life experiences. As dreaming is a subsystem of the waking default network, the part of the mind active during daydreaming. That's kind of weird. You know, if you listen to all the episodes, if not, go back and listen. Not right now. Go back and listen to my episode on simulation theory, where I talk about dreams and how dreams could be an alternate state of consciousness. We all think of dreams as this just completely safe externalized thing. We're all so afraid of death, but at the same time, we have no problem laying down and going to sleep into a completely subconscious state. But is it subconscious or is it conscious? Or, as this one clearly states verbatim, a cognitive simulation. There's the fucking word. Simulation. I'm not saying that I totally buy into simulation theory. However, I like the fact that what it argues 
causes me to think in a way that I wouldn't normally think about life around me, dreams, gaming, like virtual reality. It all has a new perspective when you at least consider the argument. And even more interesting is that they're saying that dreaming is a subsystem of the waking mind, part of what is active during daydreaming. Think about daydreaming. That's like the majority of your fucking life. I was watching a movie last night, and twice in the first 15 minutes of the movie, I had to rewind the movie because I realized that for the last two or three minutes, I had not kept track of anything that was going on, heard a single word that was uttered by any of the actors because my mind had gone off into this other place. We don't necessarily always think of it as daydreaming. It's like our thoughts going elsewhere. And since I knew I was going to be recording this episode, I kind of reflected on those two interruptions because I'd already done this research at that point. And I thought how weird it is that while I'm sitting there staring at a television screen with my eyes open, wide awake, that I can hear other things in my head without the need for my ears. I didn't, as a matter of fact, my body shut off. I didn't hear or see anything that I was looking at or listening to because my brain took over and I was hearing and seeing in my mind. And that took precedence twice for a prolonged period of time in the first 15 minutes of the fucking movie. That's weird. That is a consciousness. It seems like subconscious, but is the subconscious truly subconscious, or is it a part, an extension of our consciousness? But again, think about what you consider the subconscious or daydreaming. How much of your life do you actually spend in that state during waking hours? Imagine a drive to work. Even if you have the radio on, your mind is still going to float off. How much time are you actually paying attention to the road? That becomes a muscle memory and more reaction-based event and activity than something that really requires conscious focus. And that is true for many things in our lives. It would not be uncommon for me in my last band to be on stage singing, playing bass, switching effects, and realize, holy shit, I've been thinking about something completely different for the last 30 seconds. I hope I didn't get out of place or miss a verse. I didn't. Everything was fine. I was operating on muscle memory. And muscle memory includes the biggest muscle I have. No, ladies. My brain. And honestly, if I had a penis bigger than my brain, well, first it would be oddly shaped and just unnecessarily large. So, you know what? I'm glad my penis is not bigger than my brain. But back to all of your finger quotes, subconscious thoughts, which actually may be more conscious than we think, what we would consider daydreaming. Think about it's an hour before a date that you're going on. Almost every thought in your head is, here we go, the word is coming up, Jeff, get ready! Speculative thoughts on how the night is going to go. You're paying very little attention to the actual things that you're doing to get ready. Or let's say you're cooking a very fancy meal. I love to cook. I make a lot of gourmet, delicious shit. But there's also been times that I've made something and then I sat down to eat it and it was like, oh, I mean, it was good, but I must have done something wrong or missed something, mistimed something, and it just wasn't as good or gourmet tasting as I expected. 
it. But while I was cooking that some bitch, I could already taste it in my mouth. It was delicious. It was delightful. That's why I was disappointed when I sat down and ate it because I had already eaten it in my mind. I hope that makes sense. And yes, I know this sounds kookaburra. <laughs> So, a cognitive simulation, that is one of the things that people have theorized is what dreams are now based on modern research. One other one that I saw on this website, medicalnewstoday.com, that I thought was worth talking about was that dreams could be a unique state of consciousness that incorporates experience of the present, processing of the past, and preparation for the future. I love Love the word processing when it comes to the past, because I don't really believe in time. We're always and only in the present. No one in the history of man, even in biblical magical speak, has ever been anywhere other than the present. So the fact that the past is simply being processed, that kind of makes sense to me, and I like the phrasing. But here we go. Here's another instance that kind of supports some of my ideas that dreaming is consciousness. The first one that I talked about, simulation. The second one, consciousness. I think that's kind of cool. So moving on from the research, but still pulling data from medicalnewstoday.com. At this point, I should probably send them a bill because it's becoming just plugs for their website, not so much me just stating who my source is. But lucid dreaming is essentially where a dreamer is aware that they are dreaming. This has happened to me that I remember a few times at most. This is not a normal occurrence for me. I've heard of other people that state that they can become very lucid and aware of their dream state and have total control over the dream. Even on the instances that I do recall being aware that I was dreaming, I don't remember really using it to my benefit or being able to take control of the dream. Instead, it was just an added layer to the fucked up nature of whatever situation I was in, because now not only am I in that situation, but I realize I'm not even awake. If any of you out there experience frequent lucid dreaming, tell me about it. You can reach me on Facebook or Twitter at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Let me know. I'm curious. I don't know how that works. I guess I kind of wish I could do it more often, but it also seems like a double-edged sword. So I don't know. Dreams versus memories is another thing discussed on this website. So a lot of people assign, you know, meaning to dreams like a dream must mean something. There has to be a reason I was eating a purple sock while riding on a boat made of popsicle sticks. No, there doesn't. Maybe your mind is just fucked up. Maybe it's an alternate reality. Simulation theory. Who knows? But again, going back to the meaning of dreams or having to assign a meaning to a dream, a lot of people would assume that a lot of your dreams have to do with your memory. However, a recent study showed that 80% of dreams contain low to moderate incorporations of autobiographical memory. So it's not a lot of memories. It's just random weird fucking shit. It, which is consistent with my dreams. I don't know about y'all, but my dreams, totally fucking weird. Hence the title of the episode, and you will hear about some of these weird dreams coming up soon. Yay! Before I get into my dreams, there's one more thing I want to talk about, and that is that. I don't like that phrase, that is that, but there's no other way to say it. That, what was I saying? 
Oh, yeah. And that is that researchers, oh, it's so ugly. I don't like it. Researchers have determined that there are 55 Buckle Up Kids dream themes. That's right. That's a phrase, a real phrase, dream themes. I am not even going to get close to discussing all 55 dream themes. A lot of them are like, yeah, okay, fine. Or maybe they could have been rolled into another dream. Can we not narrow this down, these themes? Do we need 55? Can we not find, like, just 25 dream themes? But before I get into specific dreams of mine, I want to kind of talk about some of my dreams over the course of my life from a more holistic perspective. But all of these fall into one of these 55 dream themes. Oh, I love that phrase. So at an early age, I started flying in my dreams pretty regularly, maybe nightly. And I had always been a swimmer. I loved the water. I loved the pool. I was on swim team at a very early age. And one of the strokes that I was very good at is the breaststroke. If you don't know what that is, look it up. I'm not going to describe the fucking breaststroke to you. However, as a child and even into my adulthood, I fly way more infrequently now, like I might remember flying a couple times a year at best, but even to this day, I still fly the same way I started flying as a child, which is I would get a running start, I would dive into the air and start doing the breaststroke, and I would be able to pull myself and kick myself through the air and then kind of gain altitude by angling upward with my pulling. The problem was is because all of my momentum was pool-based, not swimming pool base, but pooling, when I would get to a certain height, I couldn't descend with any control, so I would just fall. <whistles> to my presumed death, but flying is a dream theme. And speaking of falling, I have fallen and hit the ground on many occasions in dreams. They always say, you wake up right before you hit the ground. I don't. I hit the fucking ground and I'm fine. I should be a broken, battered mess, but I'm alive. The fall is terrifying, but once I land and I realize, hey, I'm okay. Everything's cool. Let's go back to killing some aliens. But falling? Dream theme. I have died in my dreams or undergone a circumstance where I should have died, like falling and hitting the ground. We'll discuss another one in one of the dreams I'll tell you about in a little bit. But dying in one's dream. Dream theme. I have woken up many times with tears rolling down my face, and I remember when I wake up that I was having a horribly sorrowful dream, and somehow that translated to physical manifestation of tears, despite the fact that my body is completely paralyzed by slumber. That's weird. But crying in one's sleep or, or dreams filled with sorrow? Dream theme. I've had a lot of apocalyptic dreams. Granted, most of them, 99% of them, have nothing to do with 
with like religious apocalypse, but more like aliens or natural disasters, but both aliens and natural disasters? Two train themes. But it's weird that we can cry in our dreams. Not weird that we're crying in the dream itself, but weird that it manifests a physical response from the body. The same thing applies to, sorry mom, wet dreams. Both men and women, they can have orgasms in their sleep with zero, zero physical interaction. Even when I'm awake and totally conscious, I am 150% incapable of reaching orgasm simply by laying and thinking about something dirty. Just not gonna happen. If that was the case, online porn would not be so lucrative. But the same applies to crying. It's why you have certain actors that it's like, wow, this person is so good, they can make themselves cry. It's so hard to cry without having a reason to cry. So two of the things that are virtually impossible for the average human being to do in their conscious waking life, your dreams are able to generate that response from your body. That's fucked up. But that backs up the idea that dreams have a much more conscious representation in our life than we tend to give it credit for. And if those moments in our dreams that cause orgasm or crying physiologically, what's to say the rest of our dreams don't have some equivalent conscious outcome that we just haven't recognized or known about yet? All right, I'm getting really deep and coming really close to the verge of saying the word ejaculation. Oh no, I said it. Okay, I know you've all been waiting. Let's talk about some of Jeff's weird fucking dreams. You're doing the third person again. So I'm going to start out with some dreams that are older, maybe going back to childhood. And then in the last several months, since I've had the idea to do this topic, I've actually been making notes of dreams that I remember that are really off the charts fucking weird. So then we're going to get into some of my more recent dreams. But going back to like the whole, you know, you wake up before you hit the ground when you're falling kind of thing. I do remember having a dream as a child. I want to say I was in bunk beds, but my brother had his own room. So the top bunk was empty, but I was falling in my dream. And I don't know if I was already sleeping on the edge of the bed or rolling in my bed, but I actually fell out of the bed as I was falling in my dream. And I hit the floor of my bedroom at the same time that I hit the ground in in my dream. That experience has never left my mind. The timing was so weird. To this day, I'm still the type of person that sleeps on the actual edge of the bed. Like, I have a queen-size bed. I sleep alone. Every morning, one half of my bed is still made. I do not disrupt it in the least because I am sleeping on the fucking edge. It is a wonder I have not fallen out of my bed more often. Also, as a kid, and I guess sometimes as an adult, although maybe I got fevers more often as a kid, or I was just generally more sick, which kind of makes sense. You you know, when you're a parent and you have kids, it's like, Jesus, they're sick all the time and spreading the germs, and now I'm sick. <coughs> But fever dreams, man, I've had some weird fever dreams that always have a similar theme. That's how I always know that I've been sleeping with a fever, is if I remember a dream, it's hard to explain. I, I've never been able to put this into words, but it's like things that are small or supposed to be really small are really big, or vice versa. Things that are supposed to be really big are really small. It's almost kind of that fun house mentality. Again, I can't do it just 
justice. It's all a feeling. And that's another weird fucking thing about dreams, let's be honest, that I can't put into words how that makes me feel, but is consistent every time I have a fever. Ever since I was a kid, they were much more pronounced in my youth, but I do still get them today on the rare occasion that I have a fever. So in my early mid-twenties, there was a dream, two dreams that I had. I'm going to discuss both of these in a short period of time that just stuck with me. I've never forgotten these dreams. And again, as I mentioned way back early in the podcast, that some of my dreams I remember better than actual memories that I've had in my conscious life. But at the time, I had a black cat that I named Witch, and she was the first cat. I grew up with cats, no dogs as a kid growing up. I've had dogs as an adult. I do not anymore. My last old girl doggy, she passed away while I had to put her to sleep of old age the week before Christmas of 2019. But which was my first cat that I had as an adult? My parents moved down to Jackson, Mississippi when I was 17 years old. I had just graduated high school, so I've been independent and living on my own since before I was even a technical adult. And at some point during my 18th year of life, I got witch. And this dream took place years later. She was now an adult cat for many years. But in this dream, there were two witches. And I was in the apartment in my dream. I was in a exact replica of the apartment I lived in, which is very unusual for me. Normally, wherever I'm at, it's a completely foreign place, foreign house. Even if I think I'm at home, when I wake up and remember the dream, it's like, no, that's not my home. I don't, I've never been to that place. But in my head, it was home. But in this dream, I was in a perfect replica of the apartment I was living in at the time. And there were two witches running around the apartment. And somehow, I don't remember how, but I knew that one of the witches running around my apartment was not my cat, but the devil. And it had disguised itself as witch to try to get me to pick it up and welcome it, I guess, against my body. I don't know. It was just a fucked up little game the devil was playing with me in this dream. And I'm constantly trying to figure out which witch should I pick up. And mainly because I wanted to save the real witch, which is very difficult because it's just a black cat. There's not a whole lot of identifying markings. They are identical. But at one point, I'm like, all right, I've got it figured out. I know which one is the real witch and that version of witch was up on my dresser and I went over I scooped her up and as soon as I picked her up she turned into this large like worm slug creature in my hand which I immediately kind of flung across the room and freaked out and now I was running to try and find the other witch like okay well that ain't right I gotta go find a real witch that's really all I remember from that dream but kind of fucked up kind of a weird dream the other dream that I had right around that time I, I know I was living in the same apartment and I was only there for maybe two years max so in a limited time span but I had a dream and this would have been several years before I would have kids and I was not with the person at the time that would be the mother of my children but I had a dream that I had these I don't know what it is with like little worms or things like that but I had these things in my ears they were almost like uh, kidney beans or I don't know what 
lima beans, whatever the light ones are. They were very pale and kind of gelatinous, and I had these things in my ears. And I took them out, I put them in a Tupperware bowl, I put them in the microwave, ran the microwave, and two babies were born out of, I basically nuked these fetuses or embryos into babies in my microwave. Oddly enough, I ended up having two children. However, I did not birth them from my ear canal. But that's kind of a weird dream. I had a dream a couple years ago that really stuck with me when I woke up and I can still visualize it today. I was in a car driving in some city. Everything was very foreign. It was raining and I was needing to drive at higher speeds for some reason. I don't recall the reason or if there was one. But at some point in the dream, I'm on this, not necessarily an overpass, but like an elevated freeway to the point where the road that I am driving on is so high that these large, huge trees, the treetops are visible just past the guardrail. And I'm going into this gentle right curve on this freeway, but again, I'm going at high speed and it's raining. And one point I should probably mention is that my dad is in the passenger seat, which is also very weird because we've had a very strained relationship, or rather we had a very strained relationship for a long time and saw each other maybe once a year. So the fact that he was riding shotgun was very odd. But going into this gentle right curve on this freeway, the car just decided I'm not going to turn right. Instead, I'm going to slide like hydroplane. I went from the right lane of this freeway across several lanes, but I'm just now going straight at a high rate of speed towards this guardrail. And all you can see past the guardrail are these fluffy little pointy treetops of these massive trees. So you know the drop over the guardrail is lethal. It's a very big drop. I don't remember anything that my dad said, anything that my dad did, but we went through the guardrail and we started to fall nose down through the trees and I knew that I was going to die. That was it. And that was one of the things that haunted me the most about that dream when I woke up and remembered it and it settled in was that I came to terms in the matter of two seconds with my own expiration. I knew I was going to die and I was actually like, okay. Like it didn't scare me after the first second. The first second I went over the guardrail, I was terrified. After that, I was just resigned to the fact that this was it and I was at peace. Now, not that I believe in dreams foretelling events or anything like that. However, in order to do due diligence with this episode, I thought about this dream when I was typing it into my show prep and thought about certain aspects of that dream compared to now. Again, that dream was two, three plus years ago. But for my regular listeners, you know that I had to pull the plug on my dad when he was in the ICU. Just nothing COVID related, but it was during 2020. This was August 27th was the day that I had to have them turn off his machines. But if you think about the situation of me having those machines turned off versus the dream, here are some similar themes. Dream themes. I was in control. He was not. He was shotgun. I was the driver. The exact same situation as when I had power of attorney to make the decision to turn his machines off. It resulted in his death and I was in control. 
Something basic, like driving, turned into something catastrophic, like going through a guardrail and falling to your death. That's exactly how my dad's hospital stay started and ended. It started with something very basic. I would go visit him for weeks, and he would be sitting up on the bed. He wasn't in ICU. He'd had some fluid buildup issues, but everything was being monitored and regulated. And then... Catastrophe struck, resulting in his death. The third and final comparison I can make, even though this is a little bit of projection, is the fact that, like I said, when we went over, I was immediately at peace with the idea of my own death. When my dad died, when I turned the machines off, he was semi-conscious, and I asked him multiple times, are you ready? Do you want to keep fighting? He was 100% at peace with his death. So even at the time of having this dream, years before my dad's passing, now that I think of it in hindsight, as much as that dream had an impact on me, and I've never forgotten it, it has some strangely odd correlations to my dad's actual passing. All right, so now we're going to get into dreams that I have had since I had the idea for this episode months ago, and I have been logging them in my phone when I wake up or later in the day if a dream just sits with me, because that happens a lot. I don't forget dreams necessarily when I wake up. It will slowly dissipate sometimes. Sometimes it'll stick with me for a long time, for years, like the witch dream or the in-ear fetuses or driving my dad over a guardrail to our deaths. However, you'll also know because these are more recent and documented at the time of the dream or shortly thereafter that these are pretty accurate as to what happened. I'm not saying that my recollection of older dreams is inaccurate, but it's not documented. So there is that difference. I always want to be objective with everything I discuss. Fair and balanced. So I think I may have discussed this dream on one of the episodes, or maybe it was on another podcast that I was a guest on, but I had a dream recently. Again, all of these are recently. I'm not even going to say that. They're all within the last few months. But I had a dream that I had been stabbed in the neck with a sword. I was high like up against a bunch of lockers and like this old dingy industrial basement. I remember the lighting was very reds and yellows and someone was chasing me and I was hiding and they found me and they samurai style stuck a sword into the side of my neck. It came out the other side of my neck and absolutely should have killed me. However, I didn't die. Instead, I found something like wadded up toilet paper or paper towels to stick up against one side of my neck to stop the bleeding. Since I didn't have anything to stuff up against the other side, I was walking around with my head pinned to my shoulder or as close to on that side to stop the bleeding. And occasionally someone would talk to me or something would happen where I would have to lift my head and blood would spurt out of my wound, my sword hole. But that is certainly an instance where I died or should have died in the dream. And I did not. It sounds super fucking crazy, and I know I talked about this on the Simulation Theory episode, but think about it. If dreaming is a state of consciousness in some regard, and you can't die in your dreams, how do you know? How do you know 100% that you can die in this consciousness that we know or consider to be waking consciousness? Have you ever died before? You've seen other people die, but that has nothing to do with you and your consciousness. I'm not asking you to go jump off a cliff and see if you can fly. 
not asking you to tempt fate, but I'm just saying, how do you know that you are mortal, that you can die? You don't. It's never happened. So this next one is very, very disturbing. And this one bothered me a lot. So my kids, Zoe and Skylar, they're about to be my son. Skylar is going to be 19 here in like, I don't know, five weeks. My daughter Zoe is going to be 20 in like three weeks. But I had a dream where I was at like this outdoor stadium, but it was kind of like a fairgrounds. It wasn't like an arena or a baseball stadium, but I was up on these tiered bleachers on the upper deck and I have a horrifying, horrifying fear of heights. And in the dream, Zoe and Skylar were like toddlers. They were two, three at, you know, most. And they were with other people that I knew, family. I don't remember anyone specifically, but it's kind of like how in a dream that you know that you know someone, even though you don't know that person, if that makes sense. But they were with people that I trusted and they were all in the front row. So there was like this red railing at the front of the upper deck of bleachers that Zoe and Skylar were standing there and looking over the railing or through the railing. And it was really freaking me out. And everyone was giving me shit because I was being all panicky about being so close to the edge. And so I'm like, all right, fine. I need to get up out of the bleachers because I'm having this panic attack, this fear of heights panic attack that is overcoming me in my dream, and I need to get up to, like, the concrete concourse on the upper deck to where I can at least stand and look down at the bleachers and monitor my kids. But I don't remember what was going on in the dream, but I wasn't climbing stairs to the concourse. It was like this sheet of aluminum that I had to, like, Spider-Man walk up very carefully, body pressed very close to the aluminum, trying to get, I could see where people were walking on this upper concourse, but I was terrified trying to get there. I just wanted to be away from the heights and the scary part. And this is not uncommon, like hockey games, if you go to, or any arena, if you're in an upper area and it's really steep, like that terrifies me. I just think I'm going to fall. Hence my fear of heights. I don't trust myself. And as I reach the top, the railing that I need to pull myself through to get to this flat, safe, concrete concourse, I hear shrieking below me, screaming. I immediately am concerned that something has happened to Zoe or Skylar or both, and I yelled down to them, asking them, was that Zoe or Skylar? Like, I've, I've already known in my mind that someone has fallen, and someone yelled back, both. I am now up on this concrete upper concourse. I can't run down to the end of the bleachers to look over because it terrifies me. So now I need to find stairs in the arena or stadium or fairgrounds or whatever I'm in to get myself down to where they would have fallen. I am screaming. I am sobbing. I am heartbroken. I finally reach where they're at, and I remember it was just like a litter of trash and stuff everywhere. People had kind of cleared out. There were no bodies of my children. However, there were these two stuffed animals laying on the ground, which I suspect was my mind's way of saying, no matter how fucked up we make your dreams, we're not going to make you look at your dead toddler children. Yay! So instead, they were represented by these stuffed animals, and I remember, at least I wrote down in my notes, notes in my little dream journal that I was checking the pulse of these stuffed animals. So absolutely, they represented Zoe and Skylar. That is the end of that dream, but it's fucked up and it haunted me for quite some time. It still does just to talk about it. I don't like that dream. 
So another dream, the shootout, as I call it, there was someone that was just shooting at me like crazy, like rapid fire bullets, semi-automatic, whatever. And I should have easily been killed by gunfire over and over again. But somehow I managed to elude the bullets as would happen in dreams and finally locked in on a shot to fire a gun and kill this person with a headshot. Apparently in the dream there was someone with me, a female accomplice. That's right, a female. And for some unknown reason to me now, in hindsight, I had to kill her. I didn't want to, but it just had to be done. And she was on her knees. facing away from me and I put the gun to the back of her head and I asked her are you ready at which point she said she was I fired the gun I killed her I then loaded her body into this trailer that was hooked up to a truck it was her truck and her trailer that was kind of fucked up of me to do and then I proceeded to have a difficult time backing the trailer out because trailers as you know if you've ever tried to navigate a vehicle with a trailer in tow trailers are backwards as fuck and I'm awful at driving a trailer and in my dream I have this girl's dead body in the trailer and I can't even get the fuck out of the parking lot. I had a dream very recently about a Christian cult. Well, maybe they weren't a cult, but it seems any any religion seems cult-like to me. No, I'm not going to listen to this. Ray, you're chanting. I'm not going to Ray. hear this now. Ray, look. Ray, unconscious I'm chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. But there was a large gathering. It was like in the middle of the desert, but there was this huge amphitheater that had been constructed and created for this Christian gathering, and it was all lit up. The center stage was huge and circular with all of these lights that constantly changed. And of course, being very non-religious, I was kind of watching this from afar and laughing at the situation because it just seemed so stupid and cult-like. And I remember them announcing the leader's name, and his name, ladies and gentlemen, was Mike Kike. I apologize to the Jewish community and the butthurt politically correct people that I said the word that I just said. However, in my dream, I kept thinking, that can't be real, and I would have to wait until they said it again to confirm that indeed his name was Mike Kike. And Mike Kike seems like a really weird name for the leader of a Christian cult movement. Also in the dream was the character Tom from the HBO show Succession, which I recently binged. And in this dream, Tom was very persuasive, and he actually converted me, and by the end of the dream, I was a believer. Hallelujah, and because I know who my God is, I can lay down and go to sleep. Another dream I'm titling Puck Surgery. I was playing hockey in the dream. I used to play hockey briefly back in my 20s. I started as a defensive player and then eventually moved into goalie for a couple seasons. But in this dream, I was not a goalie. I was just a player. However, I, it was like I completely forgot how to even ice skate. 
I was horrible. I was an embarrassment. And there were these people that were watching me. And then at some point in the dream, I was now in an operating room and they wanted me to perform surgery on someone. And I kept trying to tell them, I can't even remember how to skate. What makes you think I can perform surgery when I never learned that in the first place? That's a weird dream. And the last dream I will discuss is only a handful of days old. And this one is another one that kind of emphasizes my fear of heights. I was in what can only be described as the most visually stunning and gorgeous environment possible. I was on this long walkway. It was almost like a naturally constructed wall in this huge forest. And I was walking along the top of this very narrow path. And on each side, it was like miles of just dropping until you hit the ground. And the path was probably around, I don't know, six feet wide, but it was kind of worn down in the middle and more lush and green on the edges. I was very tentative because the drop on both sides was ginormous and my fear of heights is paralyzing, but I was kind of able to slowly and carefully walk along this path, enjoying the beauty of the scenery around me. As long as I stayed in the middle, I felt pretty safe. There was enough edge on each side that even if I tripped and fell, I wasn't just going to topple to my death. However, at some point, other people got involved in traversing this walkway, this elevated path, and they showed me a map of the path itself, and it was like super long. And I was maybe only 50 yards from the starting point where I could get back to normal ground. But if I was to continue on this path, it would have been miles and miles, and all of a sudden, my fear kicked in, and I refused to continue along the path with the rest of them and all I wanted to do was get back that 50 yards or so that I had already walked carefully but I was no longer confident in my ability to walk that path safely without falling so just like I did on the aluminum surface in the stadium arena fairgrounds of my earlier dream I laid on my belly and just slowly crawled along this path back toward where I knew flat real ground was. So definitely fear of heights is a major component despite the fact that I have no problem flying. But also when I fly in my dreams, I do eventually lose control and plummet to my death. So those are some of my weird dreams over the years and again, the last handful much more recently. Dreams are definitely a weird component in our lives and we all want to disregard them as subconscious and irrelevant, but are they? Or are they rather alternate consciousnesses? Oh, that's a hard word to say. That's even worse than speculative. But who knows? We can't know anything. If any of you out there think you fucking know the answer to all of this shit, you know the answer to life, you know the answer to afterlife, you know all of that stuff, you're fooling yourself. You don't know because you've never experienced any of it. And again, who's to say that finger quotes daydreams aren't in alternate state of consciousness because they happen while we're awake and you can hear voices. You can see images while you're staring at a TV screen with the full surround sound stereo blasting at high volume. And somehow your mind can tune all of that out while you're awake. Ooh, a dream weaver, a 
I don't really have a point with any of this, nor am I trying to convince anyone of anything, other than the fact that I think dreams are fucking weird. Thank you, everyone, for continuing to tune in to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Please share this, share this, share this with people you know on social media. Tell a friend you got to listen to the show. Make sure that you follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeff. Ray, you're chanting. Ray, Ray, look. Ray, unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Good night. to the devil and I prayed and I showed him the mess that I've made and I cried and I cried and I cried a million times over but the devil just laughed in my face I went to the God of fire and said can you turn the heat a little higher cause I've been burned and I've been burned Time's over, but he just covered me with water. So I went to the Lord of the sea. Say, won't you come wash over me? Cause the roads and the woods have been winding a million times over, but she receded from. Covered him with water from the lake.